Welcome to Church Chat by Assembly Hub. This is episode number nine. Crawford Paul, and it's great to have you listening to us today. Hope everyone's staying safe during this uh, crazy coronavirus that's going around the world, and uh, we look forward to that being over sooner than later, we hope. Today, I have a very special guest to me uh, on the show. My dad, Jim Paul, is with us today, and we're going to be talking about a subject that is very practical in nature and sometimes scary to many people. It's certainly scary to me. And the subject I'm talking about is personal evangelism. And so we're going to do a number of these episodes in the coming months, and this will be part of a series. So this is just the first one. Dad has been involved in evangelism for almost 65 years since he was saved at 14. So thanks for being with us today, Dad. Thanks, Crawford, for the invitation to participate and introduce to our listeners this very interesting topic of evangelism. It really is an interesting topic. So why don't you start off and tell us some initial comments you have about personal witnessing? Well, there are so many factors to it, and it's amazing that the Holy Spirit equips believers in different ways to accomplish his mission in reaching the lost. Consider two examples given by the Lord Jesus. I'm sure there are many more, but but in the parable to the sower in Matthew, Mark, and Luke, uh, this shows the individual responsibility that we have to sow the seed of the Word of God. You'll notice there it says that the sower went forth to sow, and that would indicate that he was leaving the comforts of his home to go out and scatter the seed wherever it would land. This was a very isolated and often lonely task, facing all the elements that would come his way. Secondly, there was a time when the Lord Jesus was going to teach his disciples about fishing for men in Luke chapter 5. I see this more as a corporate responsibility and would teach us some lessons for the church to be reaching out into their communities with the gospel. Right, so there's the personal uh, responsibility for each one of us to be a witness and to be uh, reaching those around us in our sphere. And of course, um, in a church, there could be a lot of different communities uh, represented in that church. But then there's also the church's responsibility to be a witness and a light within that particular community. And I'm sure we see both of these things clearly in in the book of Acts, as well as we see the church uh, first formed. So tell us a little bit about how you got saved and how you came to know the Lord Jesus. I was raised in a Christian home, and by that I mean that my parents were believers and they fellowshiped at a small assembly in my hometown called Broxburn, 12 miles west of the city of Edinburgh. My father became a Christian in his late teens, and he was first to get saved in his family. He later led his mother and his three sisters to the Lord, while others in his family rejected the gospel. My mother's side was a spiritual link, really, and many of her uncles and aunts were connected to various branches of brethren assemblies. My grandmother's home was a spiritual hub, and many Saturdays they would all meet and have some wonderful discussions on the scriptures. And as a boy, I listened to a lot of that. Sadly, on Sunday mornings, they would go go their separate ways to break bread in different assemblies. 
is tragic because it wasn't so much doctrine that separated them, but personality clashes and different opinions about how the Lord's Supper should really be practiced. Having said that, I had some great fellowship with those godly men and women who had a big spiritual influence in my life. That's a really good challenge for all of us to think about when it comes to unity. We don't often think about the fact that the things that are going on inside the church or within the, the body of Christ in general could actually be hurting or promoting the gospel. And so either way, it could influence those around. We know that the Lord says that they'll know we're his disciples by our love for one another. So it's a really good point that you raise about just the unity uh, in the church uh, as a part of evangelism. So what are your influences that you had in your early years? Who were the people that influenced you when it came to the gospel? Well, there was a number from my childhood days. I attended Sunday school and later Bible class, which would be equivalent to our youth groups over here. Uh, My Bible class leader, his name was John Miller, and he taught us through the book of Exodus for one hour each week. And although I wasn't saved at that point, he left a deep impression upon me that has never left me to this day. The biggest single influence spiritually was my Uncle Jim, my mother's youngest brother. When I was born, he was only nine years old, and when I was a boy, boy, he would take me for a walk on a Sunday afternoon and used to and use me as an excuse to go to his friends, change his clothes, and go into the park for a game of football or soccer, as we would say here. In those days, even if the police came along and saw you playing in the park, they would chase you away. Change days, indeed. When he was 18 years old, he was called to join the Royal Air Force. One weekend, he came home on leave, and my father pointed him to the Savior, and he was wonderfully saved. So how did you get saved then? Well, I was brought up under the preaching of the gospel from an early age and never doubted the truth of what I heard. I have to say, looking back, Even in these early years, I did believe everything that I was hearing as to be the gospel, to be the truth. However, it had little effect on me until I reached the age of 13, when a number of things happened that that year. In the month of May 1955, Billy Graham came into Glasgow for a major crusade. There were no religious broadcasts on TV then, but the BBC allowed only one service of the crusade to be shown. At that time, very few people had TVs, of course, but my mother had an aunt who had one, and I used to go once a week to watch my favorite program. That night when I went in to see her, she said, Jim, your program can't be watched tonight because there is a young American evangelist speaking on TV, and your Uncle Bill, that was her husband, wanted to see it. Although I was a little disappointed, she gave me the option to go home or stay. So I decided to stay. Now, my aunt was not a believer, but Uncle Bill and his son, Willie, were not walking for the Lord. They were believers, but not walking for the Lord. The two of them were ready to go out on that night on the night shift. They worked in the mines, and they had 15 minutes left before they went for their bus. But they wanted to see what this American young man looked like. Once the service started, they never moved for an hour until it was finished. And at the end of it, Uncle Bill said, he's got the real thing and left. Just after that, my aunt was saved. 
Later, I walked home in the dark and was under deep conviction about my sin. And that stayed with me the whole summer, and I couldn't really shake it off. In the month of October, my grandmother took very ill, and I loved her dearly. She was a godly lady and, she, and also influenced my life in, in a very big way. My mother and little sister Anne went for two weeks to stay with her, and I was sure she was going to die, and I would not see her again. She prayed for me every day, and I somehow felt this would be a big miss if she, if she really died. However, she went to be with the Lord five years later. Now, I was staying at home with my dad while my mum was away, and I always enjoyed his company. He was a very quiet man, and although I had never heard him preach, he was a, a great soul winner. One night on the 18th day of October, I got into bed beside him, and asked him to tell me about the Second World War. At that time, it was only 10 years since the war had finished, and he loved to tell stories, so he told me a few things about it. Seeing he had my attention, he said to me, you know, Jim, those brave men and women in the forces left home to fight this enemy who was going to come in to our country and take it over. Many of them laid down their lives that we might be free. There was a short time of silence, and I never forget that. Then my dad said, that's not totally right, Jim, for none wanted to die there. They all wanted to come home. Only one person laid down his life willingly, and that was Jesus. And then he told me about the cross, about Calvary, and how God loved me, and he quoted John 3 and 16 to me. That night, I felt I was the only one that Jesus had died for. And turning to my dad, I said, I believe it with all my heart, and now I am saved. What joy filled my soul, and that decision changed my life forever. Maybe some of you listening today, and you've never trusted Jesus as your Savior. I urge you to put your trust in the Lord and believe that he died and rose again for you. And then you can start truly on your way to heaven. That's a wonderful testimony, and I've uh, never really heard all of that before. I didn't even realize until uh, you sharing this that Billy Graham had that influence on you uh, for that time, and your aunt as well when she got saved. And and uh, I remember Uncle Jim, of course, very well, and, and Granddad. And so it's uh, wonderful for me to hear you share that uh, all these years later on and uh so you got saved and you were that was 13 right or 14 years old yeah i was that was three weeks off my 14th birthday actually yeah so so you were almost almost 14 so you got uh, you got saved and then uh so what happened after that what were some of the first experiences that that got you into uh evangelism well i would say that my first experience of course after i got saved was i really considered being baptized and on the 23rd of may uh, 1956, I was baptized in a little uh, assembly hall in Edinburgh called Gorgie Gospel Hall. Uh, our assembly didn't have a baptismal tank, so that's where we went for our baptisms, and I'll never forget that night, of course. And then on the 27th of May, the Sunday following, I was received into fellowship with the Broxburn Assembly. And for the first time, I remembered the Lord who died for me, and I've never forgotten that day, nor everyone since then. Our assembly at that time had what they called a Monday night track band. 
This is where they went out into the town and surrounding villages, giving out tracts and preaching in the open air. So I soon joined and got involved. One of my first experiences when I was 16, and I ventured out on my own in fear and trembling, I have to say, but excited just the same. What a memorable day that was. I walked up through a very large driveway, uh, which led me to what would then be a very expensive home at that time. There was an old lady working in her garden. Mind you, she was probably not that as old as I thought. I mean, at 15, anyone that's over 30 is really old. <laughs> it's still true today. Yeah, it's still the same. She asked me what I wanted, what I was there for. So I invited her to receive a gospel tract from me. Well, she stood upright and said, I don't need that. Do you realize who I am? I said, no, I don't know who, who you are. She says, I'm the daughter of a minister of the Church of Scotland. And when I die, Peter will be waiting for me at the golden gate of heaven to welcome me in. Now, here is my first attempt at evangelizing. I said, you can't get to heaven unless you're born again. She said, how can I possibly go back and be born all over again? Now, that was interesting to hear her say that, for then it gave me the great response to say, you know that there was a man in the Bible who asked the very same question? And the Lord Jesus began to explain the difference between the physical birth and the spiritual birth. And it's at that point she lifted her garden rake, proceeded to chase me halfway down the driveway. And as I was running away, I, I thought, this is really crazy. I'm running away from this old woman. So I turned and I faced her and said, do you know that Jesus said, you must be born again to enter into the kingdom of heaven. Well, I can assure you, Crawford, she chased me the rest of the way out of her driveway. <laughs> that night I got on my knees and I prayed for that dear lady who thought she was going to heaven because of who she was. That night gave me a real desire within to get out to speak to more people about the Lord. After all these years, I still have a measure of fear going out each time, but the excitement of doing it has never left me. That's a really uh, funny but good story, and I think a lot of people would say at that time that they would have given up, but you actually found that it gave you more confidence and motivation to keep going. That's right, it did. So I know you have a story about preaching to cows. Why don't you tell our listeners about that? Well... We were young men then, uh, two other young men in our assembly, the three of us were very good companions and friends. And, uh, and as I said, we went out with tracks and then we did open air preaching. Now this is me at my very beginning stages of uh, getting out into the open air and preaching. What would happen was a brother would say to me, you know, go out and shout out a verse of scripture and come back in. So they eventually they got you motivated into getting to hear your voice out in the open air. One of these dear brethren was a man called Willis Steedman. He was a dear old evangelist. So one day he got the three of us together and he said, here's a little bit of advice for you. What I want you to do this week, I want you to look at some gospel verses, each one of you individually, and the three of you go up to the fields uh, where there's a, a lot of cows, a lot of fields around our town, and, uh, and you start preaching the gospel to the cows. And they'll come over and listen to you. <laughs> well, 
we we thought we'd have a go at that. So we, we left it to the end of the week after each one of us had prepared something in the gospel. And each of us in turn started to preach in the, in the field to the cows. And you know something? He was right. The cows came over in the listen. They listened to what we were saying. Now, we don't know that any of them got saved, but, <laughs> but they sure listened to the gospel. And that really got us again into the, the, the field. And this is what his great uh, uh, word was to us. No matter what you do, you've got to get a feel for it. You've got to get a feel for it. And that got us into the great fuel for opening evangelism and certainly for tribe distribution and reaching the people with the gospel. That's my way back into my early beginnings uh, of my Christian experience. And never forget these days and there were some wonderful times in it. I think one of the things that you need to do, but among a number of things, is that you need to get yourself into the study of the Word of God, into the Scriptures, and particularly then it was in the gospel, learn the gospels, getting into the way that you present the gospel to each individual that comes along. One of the things that I did in my early days, and I've never stopped doing it even till today, is after I've spoken to someone, is I've left and I've analyzed it, looked at what I've said and, and thought, now could I have gone a different way with that? Could I look at that a different way? Maybe I should have listened a little bit more than what I've said. In door-to-door work, which I really love doing, there are different methods in which we can do that. Maybe another time I may bring that into the discussion. You mentioned um, that after your first experience with the lady in the driveway, that you prayed for her. How much does prayer factor into all of this? Well, I think prayer factors into into everything that we do, actually, not only just in the gospel. I think it should be part of our lives. One of the things that I learned as a very young Christian was to talk to the Lord as though I'm just speaking to you. Now, there are times, and and rightly so, that we've got to get into our closet, into the quiet place, and get alone with God and pray. But most of the time, we can just communicate with Him. One of the things I used to love doing was going uh, for walks. I used to walk a lot and, and, and out in the open air and just communicate with God and it was good to just talk with the Lord and we don't always need to pray audibly often we can pray inaudibly driving your car that's a great place I love to pray when I'm in the car on my own we're driving along and now keep your eye on the road of course you don't have to shut your eyes <laughs> you gotta keep but you can communicate with God no matter where you are you can still communicate with God either audibly or inaudibly you also mentioned uh, this early preacher. What were some of the initial thoughts you had about these men that went out and, and preached? What, what was it about them that was so inspiring and special? Well, I think special for this brother who was a big influence in my, my life and many other evangelists around us. We had quite a lot of evangelists and assemblies around us that were influential in different ways. Some of it has got us early into the preaching of the word. Uh, with a brother who was a big influence to me, and he he would put the tents up and we would he'd give us a practice. That's the best way that he would say to us, you know, you'll get your practice run uh, this week, so make sure you've got a message, and I'll just call upon you. To do. Even though it was just for 15 minutes or 20 minutes, and then he would come in and, and finish it off. And so these were that was good uh, training, I think. There seems to be in the church, and we've covered this a lot on Assembly Hub, that there's often a lack of evangelism happening, either personal or 
corporate and would you say that it there was a lot more happening when you were younger and a lot more effort put into it well that's a hard one to know because i think a lot of people individually might ev- be evangelizing I, I can't speak for the individual there are those that do it but i think in general terms yes we were raised in small assemblies but every assembly that i know of in a, a, within a radius of us they all had that outreach in their heart and so they would be out and giving tracts given uh, uh, open airs they were and 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 as far as i know as far as canada is concerned i mean i've heard ross McEntee and arnett and many others that was very common in their younger days they were they did a lot of that now we're living in a whole different age and i understand that era it's not so favorable in fact it's against the law in some areas to preach now we've been speaking about personal evangelism i believe that every assembly should have some kind of outreach now and usually it's left to the kids clubs and these are good by the way and i'll get onto that maybe another time i'll tell you how we started our children's work so there's a it's still to be done i think there's still an area in which we need to encourage our young people to get involved in some way or another of uh, reaching out to either in their neighborhoods or to their friends or i was preaching one uh, day at an assembly went tell you where that assembly was and uh, at the end of the family bible hour this lady came over and the tears were in her eyes and she said to me she says you know I've only been saved for three months and I never realized all that I have in the Lord Jesus for trusting him. And so I said to her, I says, how did you come to know the Lord Jesus? So she told me, she says, you know, I lived in the street for as long as this building probably as she was an, an older lady. And she said, when I retired, I passed it often seen people coming and going into the chapel here and uh, just never gave it a thought. After I retired, I got myself a little dog, so I had to take the dog for a walk. So I went out and I'd walk. And one day I was passing the chapel, looked at the board, and I wondered, does there anybody ever go in there? What do, what do they really tell you in that, in that building? And it troubled her. So she went home and she spoke to her husband. So he said to her, you should go in there and find out. She said, well, you come. No, he says, I'm not coming, but you go and you tell me what goes on. So that morning, the first morning she ever went in there and whoever was preaching the gospel that morning led her to the Savior. Now here is the point. She says, you know, I've lived in this street all these years and nobody ever came and gave me an invitation to come in there. Now that's very sad. In my judgment, the the neighborhood should know who you are. Yeah, there's a, a sad reality that um, if... If churches closed their doors, nobody would even notice that they were not there anymore. And I think it's a really challenging thing. And maybe it's something our listeners can take to heart and consider in terms of their own uh, assembly. Are we active or proactive in the community? Or are we just doing our own thing and not worrying about what's going on around? And I think we will have to give an account someday for that. Yeah, I think so. Because remember, the purpose and function of the local church, if we take the churches of uh, Asia, seven churches in Asia and Revelation, they were a lampstand, they were a bearer of light. And this world is a very dark place. I think I think we could say that. 
people are scared out there. When you think of the situation we're in right now with the, the virus situation, people are scared. They don't know what they think. They don't know what's going to happen next. So we have a golden opportunity to tell them of the person who could give them the only hope that they can get. If they don't get to the Savior, they'll no hope at all. And we're, we're told to go into all the world and preach the gospel. It's, it's a commandment of the Lord, so we should be actively doing it. And, and there are assemblies that are doing it and seeing good things happen when they, when they commit to the Lord in evangelism. And, of course, you mentioned prayer. We talked about that a little bit. I think that's a big part of it. As churches, we should be praying for the lost, those people in our lives and people that we come in contact with on a regular basis. Yeah, that's true. The other thing I was thinking about, too, is that we, we tend to uh, think, and, and it's amazing the number of believers that even say to me, you actually go out giving out tracts, you actually speak to people, as though, you know, nobody gets ever saved by that means. I want to tell you something, and, and I could go on for a long time, telling you about individuals who have got saved by people who have given them even a gospel tract, and, and these people don't even know about it, yeah. you know? You know, I think of a dozen people who were saved through one man who gave a man a track in a bus, and he doesn't even know the, the outcome of that single track that was given. And so he would go home and never see, seen anybody saved, as far as he was concerned. And yet there was a succession of people that were saved through that one man giving that person a track. So I think we need to get back to the idea that it's seed that's sown. We're responsible like the sword to sow the seed. We're not responsible to its results. That's God's department. We don't know where it might go. We don't know where it might finish. But one thing we do know, that that seed is out there somewhere for the Spirit of God to use. And that could be by just even using it verbally or by tracts or by different other means, you know, printed page. There's so many different ways. Yeah, definitely, for sure. And, and we have to realize that we're just one link in a chain. We're not necessarily going to be the start and the end of someone getting saved, but we're just, like you said, just planting that seed and then letting the Lord. Of course, we know that passage says that God gives the increase. So he's the one that takes the seed and does something with it in that person's life. Well, this has been a really great conversation, and I know we're going to have more in the coming months. So we look forward to those and to hear more stories and experiences of of how you Uh, got into witnessing and into talking to others about the Lord. As we think about evangelism, how are we doing ourselves? Are we witnessing to others? Are we shining our light? Like the Lord says, we should shine our light to this dark world. And as churches, how are we doing? So, Dad, it's been great to have you on the show. Thanks for joining us today. Well, thanks for the invitation. I look forward to speaking to you again another time. Yeah, we'll definitely have you back soon, and uh, we'll look forward to talking to everyone else next week. So have a great week. You have been listening to Church Chat by Assembly Hub. Check out all the articles and discussion at assemblyhub.com. Tune in next week to hear more Church Chat by Assembly Hub.